All right, who's ever had a little trouble communicating with God before here? So this is our, our week to talk about uh, in our series on growing in our relationship with God. We're going to talk about prayer. And uh, we use that one because it's a lot easier to laugh at somebody else than it is to laugh at yourself. And uh, it's easy to put that up there because it can feel extreme and how ridiculous are those people. It's a little harder to see how our human tendency is to really think of God as a vending machine. And, you know, if we say the right prayers, push the right buttons, get the right code, that we'll get what we need from God. And the primary um, the way that a lot of us understand it is God's kind of there to distribute things for us when we need them. And I want to propose something a little different. Uh, I want to propose that God wants a relationship with us. And if we are connecting well with God, I'll use that phrase, connecting well, it's a win for everybody. It's a win for everybody. So if you are connecting, if if you, if you got the connection right and it's clear and it's flowing, God's flowing in us. It's a win because you're a better person. It's a win for the people around you because you're a better person. It's a win for our world. If, if we focus on all of us connecting to God, it's a win for everybody. And if we aren't connecting to God, but we're connecting to something close, like we're connecting to the church tradition, we're connecting to a religious organization, we're connecting to uh, something grandma told, but we aren't connecting to God, that's problematic. Because it has the disguise of God without the substance. Are you with me? Um, a while ago, I know I'm, I'm outdated, so my, you know, I'm not with the times, but this was back when Tom Brady was cool, you know, when Tom Brady was cool, someone broke into the locker room and stole his jersey. You remember this? After one of the playoff games or Super Bowl or something, and they went in there and stole his jersey. Now, if you go out and you wear Tom Brady's jersey and you go play a little pickup uh, football out in the park, pretty quickly they're going to realize you are a imposter. You stole the jersey. You don't have the goods. And I think what's happened over the years is somebody has swiped the jersey of Jesus. Can I say it that way? And so they use his name, they use his label, they use his brand, but they don't always have the substance. I actually think that's more of what it means to take the Lord's name in vain than to drop a bomb with your words. I think it means when you swipe the jersey and you sort of couch yourself in Christianity, but it's not flowing. In, in John, First John, he said it this way. If you claim to know God, but you don't have love, you've missed it. For God is love. You get it? So really, this whole series is about helping us connect to God. And when we get that connection going good, it's flowing. And the goodness of God's flowing in us, as we said, love, joy, peace, patience. But the other thing that is really important is that you know this, 
God wants that connection even more than you do. God, um, let me read Jeremiah. Let's read you a verse here. He says this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Seek me and find me when you seek, with, seek for me with all of your heart. I used to struggle with this because I thought, I thought that verse meant I had to do it like with all of my heart. It meant to me like all of my effort. And then at some point it became clear to me, no, this was not about the amount of effort that I put in so that God would finally be close to me. But this was with my whole heart, meaning all I had to do was just open my heart up completely to God. This is so, this is good news. Because, I mean, some of you, you grew up in a religion where it was like you couldn't do enough religious exercises to get close to God. You know, you got to come on Tuesday night. You got to be here Thursday. You got to do this. You have to do that. And all the things that you had to do so that you could someday finally be close to God. No, God wants to be closer to you than you want to be to him. So the other day, um, Charlie is now into telling jokes. I think she's learned this at school or something. So they're five-year-old jokes, you know. And so she says to me, Dad, you want to hear a joke? And I said, sure, she says to me. Because the reason is because I want to connect with her. You know, I don't really want to hear a joke. I got things to do, <laughs> to be honest with you. Not a five-year-old joke especially, right? So I don't want to, but I, of course, yeah, what is it? Because I'm, I'm excited about what? I want to connect. That's it. And so she tells the joke. She says, why did the chicken cross the road? <laughs> I don't know, Charlie, Why? To get to the other side. And I just laughed hysterically. Ah, ha, 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 Charlie. Where did you come up with that? You know? And she looked at me and she goes, that's not funny, Dad. <laughs> so here I am, like stumbling over myself, right? Acting like an absolute fool to laugh at her joke. And then she realizes, like, that's not even a funny joke. Like a five-year-old, you don't even get it yet. You don't get it that it's funny because it's not funny. So she just gets that it's not funny. And why am I laughing at the joke? And I realized, like, I'm just painfully, painfully trying for one thing, just to connect. I don't care if she tells a joke right or she tells a joke wrong. Let me know God's desire for you. And we're going to talk about prayer today, but it's not because you prayed well. Can I just clear the air on this one subject? There's no right way to pray. Can I just clear that once and for all? And it's really a bummer for me as a pastor because I get around people and they think that they should be intimidated to pray around me or they should be intimidated to pray around other people. Can I just tell you, God's not up there taking notes. God's not scrutinizing how you tell the joke. He's not scrutinizing how you pray and if you said the right words or did you conclude it properly? Did you introduce the subject properly? Prayer can be far-ranging as the absolute formal. We all stand and we do it collectively together. I can read the Lord's Prayer from the Bible to you just crying out from your gut. Oh, God. And everything in between. Why? Because God wants to connect to you. And you don't wait for a little child till they can speak properly before you listen to them. Is this true? Well, when you get your English mastered, come back and see me. They start with crying. And your job is to what? 
Figure out why they're crying. They can't put words together. They can't put sentences together. The obligation, all God wants to do is connect to you. All you and I have to do, he says, seek him with your whole heart. All it is is just opening up your heart. That's good news. Everybody can just take a breath today. Man, that's good news because I don't need to impress God. I don't need to impress God. There's nothing to impress. Maybe this will help you this morning. Charlie came down the stairs. I was working on my notes as she does. And uh, she comes up to me, and there were no words spoken. Just got up like this. Just put her head down. And went for about 10 minutes, just like this. No words. I mean, you know, sometimes words don't have to be spoken. Prayer is not you figuring out all the right words. Prayer is not you figuring out how to get God to give you what you want. Prayer is connecting to God and allowing that connection to change you. Now, in the process, can God get us things or do things for? Of course, God can do anything. But as most people start to learn as you mature, the greatest thing that happens to us, the greatest thing that happens to us in prayer is God changes us. You remember the 23rd Psalm? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, of course, I'm a pastor, so oftentimes, you know, I'll, I'll read this at, you know, certain ceremonies of weddings and funerals and things that and people have desired for it in certain times of their life. But I got to thinking how practical this is for like every day. The first, the first sentence, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. You know what happens when you get the connection right? God being your shepherd, the connection's good. You don't want. Let me help define this a little bit. You don't want. You know what you really want in life? You know what you really want? You want to stop wanting. That's the thing that you want. You want to get to a place in your life where you aren't wanting anymore. Now, uh, most people here had something to eat this morning. Or if you're in a rush, you had something yesterday. Your want is like, I don't need food. Our wants are usually something beyond our basic needs. It's something else that we desire. And maybe another way of saying it is that when God's your shepherd, when the connection's good, you can be free from incessant desire, from perpetual wanting. And sort of the, the suffering that goes with it. A lot of us suffer because we aren't connected to God because we're just constantly wanting more. When you get this connection right, you finally get free. Perhaps the greatest person to teach us about this would be Jesus. The Lord's Prayer. Now, a few things before I want to read some verses of it to set up. We, ready? 
it's uh, 2,000 years since Jesus. So just hold on. 2,000 years. At some point, somebody sort of institutionalized that prayer and said, this is the prayer that you pray all the time. And nothing wrong with that. I pray it. You probably pray it. It's good. But what you have to understand is when Jesus introduced it, it was brand new. No one had heard of this. So it's a prayer that has been institutionalized and repeated and repeated for 2,000 years. And it almost has a sense of, of rote to a lot of people, especially some of you grew up in a more traditional church setting. It's just repeated over and over and over again. And for some of you, it's like a mind-numbing mind exercise. But Jesus introduces this, and he picks a word Abba, Papa. I was reading a book um, about Middle Eastern culture, and the author said, you know, the first word, it's the first word a baby still, still 2,000 years later, the first word that they learn is Abba. Why would Jesus pick that? Now, I don't know if you knew this, but in his day, there were um, countless titles and there were 18 specific words that could be used for God. So people, if you grew up in a synagogue, they would pick this word or that word, and they have these different formal titles, and Jesus picks Abba. What does that say? To me, it speaks of the intimacy, and God wants to have this intimate relationship with you. Like, it just sort of cuts through everything. I mean, it's one thing to, to approach a king and say, your divine majesty endued with power from on high, I beseech you. And I mean, it has the ring to it, a ring of royalty. It's another thing to go, Papa, Papa, doesn't it kind of cut through everything? And I think what Jesus wanted to do for us was to introduce us to the idea of intimacy with God. And Jesus teaches the disciples, and he says this. Now, when you pray, uh, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. He says, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Abba. Here's the thing that will free us about prayer. First of all, you don't need to impress God and you don't need to impress others. So many people are nervous about how they pray. It's the most ridiculous thing ever. Charlie's never nervous about how she talks to me. She doesn't care if you were listening or why. I don't care. I don't care. I'm talking to my papa. I don't need your approval to talk to my papa. That's kind of deep, actually, what I just said there. You don't need anyone else's approval to talk to your papa. You don't need to do it in the way that they do it. You don't need to do it in the way that they assume is the correct way. You talk to your papa. And this is Jesus teaching us. You come right to your father just like this. It's not a show for other people to understand or know. And you don't, also this is important. You don't need to impress God. And this is the part I think I need to express even more than the others is that so many people think they have to have this really, really polished prayer. 
And really nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, let me say it this way. I think for us to get really intimate with God, a couple things need to happen. We need to get real. You got to get raw. Let me take you through some characters in the Bible. And when you see the characters in the Bible, they aren't always going, Our Lord, we beseech thee. Thank you for what you get is Moses. You know what Moses said? God's getting tested with Moses. Moses, you know, he starts talking to him about this. I'm, I'm, I'm abandoning this whole plan. This is not going well, getting these people out of slavery into the promised land. And God's telling Moses he's about to abandon the project. And Moses goes, you aren't abandoning nothing. It's, I'm paraphrasing, Exodus 33. You can look. You aren't abandoning nothing. This was your idea. Let me tell you something. If you have any real close, close, intimate relationships, friendships, you've had a tough with them at some point. Am I, am I getting close? You got to talk heart to heart. You have a disagreement. And what you find Moses doing is not, oh, okay, you're the God and I'm the nobody and whatever you, it's like, uh, no, not so fast, not so fast. I don't know if you realize, but this is a pattern over and over and over again in the scripture. Look at Jacob. Jacob, who, whose name was changed from Jacob to Israel. That's where we get the name Israel. Do you know what Israel means? They'll give you a translation in the Bible that says he struggles with God. But let me just be frank with you. The guy who fights with God... wrestles with God. Can I tell you something that might help you? It might help somebody that you know. It might help somebody that you could talk to later because they're bitter. There's a lot of people that are bitter in life. And you know who they're bitter at? Even though they don't sometimes say it or sometimes they do? God. I didn't want it to work out this way. I didn't want it to happen this way. Now, let me just do a quick survey here. If you're, if you're older than, let's say, 30, if you're older than 30, because if you're, if you're younger than 20, you're clueless. No, you're, you're good. You're wondering, no, but you, but you have ideals and you haven't hit some hard realities for the most part yet. For the most part, yeah. I'm just kidding. But if you're older than 30-something, how many realize some things didn't go the way I thought they were going to go? There you go? If you're younger, look around. Be encouraged. No, I mean, be, uh, be aware. <clears throat> Things aren't going to go the way you think they're going to go. That doesn't mean that's bad. But sometimes what happens with people is they get bitter. And really, they're bitter at God. They, they're bitter at how, how did you let this happen? How could this go this way? And one of the most helpful and freeing things is for you and God to get real. Get it all out there. You know why? Because if you don't break that barrier, you and God are never going to be intimate the way God wants it to be. I'm scared. No one ever told me to talk to God that way. I mean, it's all over the Bible. 
Even look at the prayers of Jesus. He got real. My mom told me this the other day. Kind of surprised me. Because my mom and my sister are really close. You know, like we're all close. But like my mom and my sister, they talk like every day. And usually multiple times a day. And then texts in between. They're close. They're tight. And my mom said to me the other day. She said, you know, when Nikki was learning to drive... Um, she was, you know how those, isn't that a wonderful time in life? When the teenagers, my mom's in the car and she's learned to drive. She goes, she, I said something to her when she was driving about you should brake or turn or blinker. <clears throat> she goes, your sister slapped me right across the face. <laughs> and they're like this. I've never slapped my mom across. I've never even thought about it. You know what I'm talking about? I think one of the things that we miss is that a lot of people, they just resign this thing to like this little religious prescription and they'll say a couple of rote prayers and they never get real. They never really open their heart, never put their whole heart into it. And so they say a couple of rote things and they hope that God will get them, you know, to where they want to be and, and push the vending machine. I mean, sometimes it has to get raw. Jacob, he wrestled with God. He fought with God. I'm not saying you walk around looking for a fight with God. Of course I'm not saying that. But I think the reality is a lot of us have things to say that if we don't say, what it does is it makes us bitter and it turns us away. And a lot of people, I think, have walked away from their faith because of that. Look, God can handle it. He can handle what you're upset about. And you need it. You need to free yourself. You ever have a person in your life you felt absolutely safe around? Like, I could say anything to this person. I mean, God bless you if you do. If you have one or two, man, God bless you. Because there's nothing like it. Because the reality is a lot of us, we can say a lot of things, but we can't say certain things. And what you need to know is that your, your papa, your abba, you can say anything to. And what you realize over time is that, you know what? I don't understand everything that God's doing, and I don't understand the timing a lot of times people have such an oversimplistic idea of prayer that you're going to go put your knees down by the bed one night and say a few things and in the morning, you know, something wonderful, magical is going to appear. And God bless the times that it does happen. Thank God. But that's an oversimplistic understanding of what it means to pray. Sometimes when God doesn't answer our prayers... It's for a good reason. I, I mean, how many know, like, there was some girl in high school that you prayed to God you could date, and you look back and you go, thank you, God. She <laughs> shut me down. You know what I mean? You, you know what I'm talking about. You, you didn't know what you were thinking. 
And the truth is, you know, you can be 45 and you still don't know what you're thinking because you have limited vision. No matter how wise and how seasoned you are, you'll always have limited vision. You will never have the vision of God that God has for your life. You can't see around the corner that God can see around. And so at the end of the day, Jesus has this prayer and he tells God, he, he, Father, let this suffering pass from me. The thing you, you need to realize as we go into the Easter season, as we prepare to, to celebrate the Lord's Supper, remember his suffering, is, it, it, it was yes and no. He was willing to go, but he was also not willing to go. Let this suffering pass from me. You remember the prayer in the garden? God, let this, I don't want to do this. Can I paraphrase? I don't want to do this. I think when people make it too easy, they take the humanity out of it. They take the true suffering out of it. That Jesus, like, this is just going to be great. No. Father, let it pass from me. I think this is every human being's prayer. The prayer of Jesus in the garden is the, is the prayer of every single one of us. It's the journey that each one of us takes. God, no, don't let me go through this. Now, Jesus can say it in the Bible. It's in the next sentence. But for some of us, that next sentence is 10 years of our life. Nevertheless, not my will, but what? Yours be. Let's say it together, right? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Oh, let me just tell you one thing. I don't, I don't think most of us get there that quick. Am I close? Most of us, that's going to take us some time. But if you can get to the spot where you can be honest with God, God, I don't want this, or this isn't what I asked for, and yet Get around to nevertheless, you're wiser than I. Nevertheless, you see more than I can see. When Jesus prays to his father, at the end he realizes that his father knows more than he does. He sees more, gets more. That's the humanity of Jesus coming through. And that's you and I. When we get to the right place, what we realize is there's some things that aren't the way we want them. But God is still at work and God sees a bigger picture, a master plan. So what we have to do is we have to learn how to trust him. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. We're going to close this service by sharing the Lord's Supper together. And I think one of the reasons that prayer is so important in connecting us to God is because it, it unburdens us. People walk around with so many burdens, so much worry, so much stress, and so much fear. And I think if prayer accomplishes anything, if you're... the we call it venting. If you're venting to God, but you're giving that burden, listen carefully, then you realize once you've fully given it to God, you've given it to the person who can handle it best. 
Think of it this way. If you've ever gotten some difficult health news and you said, boy, I got to get this fixed. I got to, my foot's messed up. I want, I, I found the best foot doctor in America. And you said to yourself, now I have it in the best hands possible. That's all I can do. Are you with me? When you pray, what you're doing? I'm getting in the best hands possible. Now I have to leave it there. Now I have to leave it there. Prayer unburdens you. That's why scripture says, cast your cares on him. When we pray, that's the place where we leave all of our cares, all of our worries, all of our fears into the hands of our loving God.